a Bible app would be better than a normal app. So let's read from 2 Timothy 2, 14 to 21. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. This is the word of the Lord. How are you doing? Um, welcome. So my name's Owen, if you don't know me, Owen Haddon. Um, I'm a member of this uh, fantastic family here at ENC, um, and it's my honour to share with you over this little bit of time we've got together. Um, I don't know about you, but there's a, God is doing something at the moment it's, that I would, I'm finding hard to put into words. It's like a deep spiritual humming, a fizzing that is happening, um, and I'm really expectant of him moving and uh, shifting things around for us this afternoon and this evening. So let's be expectant, um, see what happens. Um, today, is, uh, I love those prayers uh, that Bob led. Um, it's Pentecost Sunday. Um, it's a really significant day. Um, and for those of you who don't know, so it's, a, it's a day when after Jesus died, he, he hung around and did some amazing things for about 40 days, appearing to different people, and then ascended or floated back up into heaven. Um, and on that day, the Holy Spirit filled his disciples and the, the room that they were in and gave them a power boost like no other. And the church exploded out of that room. So the Holy Spirit is given to us to begin the work of making God's future real in the present. I'll read that again. It's not mine. It's Tom Wright. The Holy Spirit has given us to begin the work of making God's future real in the present. He is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person, an equal part of the Trinity. He is God's perfect presence in and around us. He is a wonderful, gentle, and empowering presence who lives in us as Christians. He is a promise, a guarantee of what is to come. 
I love hearing stories about how different Christians hear God. I'm fascinated with listening to God. Um, But I'm also fascinated in how we experience the Holy Spirit. I wonder how you experience him in your life. Or maybe you've never experienced him in your life. You may feel like today you need energy and direction in what God has called you to do. So he's here right now. Um, Let's welcome him. I know that I'm in great need of him today because some of what I'm going to try and uh, talk about and describe is really difficult. Um, So I'm just going to pray if that's okay and we're going to invite him again. He's here already, but it's always good to have more. So Holy Spirit, you are so welcome. Uh, Take what I say, plant seeds, raise hope, expand our hearts. Fill our minds with knowledge and wonder of God. And I pray that you would unveil within us the unlimited riches of your glory and favor and your supernatural strength would flood our innermost being with your divine might and explosive power. Amen. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, I've been following the the passage. We've been looking at 2 Timothy um, the last four or five weeks. Um, And I've been learning so much about Paul and Timothy. And um, the passage that has just been read has really perplexed me (laughs) for quite a few weeks. Like, what, God, what are you saying through this? It's it's kind of, it feels like it's quite all over the place. Um, And Jack actually gave a really good analogy a couple of weeks ago. It's a bit like a parent. Paul is acting a bit like a parent, an anxious parent. at the first day of school with their child, and he's kind of pleading and encouraging Timothy to kind of go in a kind of like a holy scattergun approach. He says things like, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. Join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Guard the good deposit given you. Endure hardship. Uh, Be one who is not ashamed but correctly handles the truth. But so rather than thinking about what he's actually saying in this passage, I've been thinking about why he's writing and the way he's writing. What's, that, what's the bigger picture? What's going on? So I've sort of taken a step back and been thinking about the context of the letter as a whole, and two overarching prophetic themes uh, stand out really clearly to me. Um, both themes, I think, are relevant to us now and are going to be more and more important to the church and ENC as we evolve So the two themes, they might come up here, uh, are this. Living our lives with a... Oh, I didn't start my clock. Sorry. Get extra five minutes. Uh, (laughs) Living our lives with a clearer understanding of now, our deaths, and eternity. And the second theme, the importance of passing on encouragement, wisdom, and experience to those who are younger in the faith than us. I'm going to focus mostly on the first point, um, and then, but I'm going to talk a little bit about discipleship to start off with. So, um, is, the, is the thing working, Ben? Great. Aha, awesome. The importance of discipleship. I'm just going to touch on this. Um, so, when I first became a Christian, it was in 1993. 
It was through a church youth group in Bristol. I was 17 years old, and I'd reluctantly gone a week away with my youth group. Actually, John and Joe were there, um, in frantic style. They, um, I, I had a, a physical experience of the Holy Spirit that knocked me to the floor. And I went from being an atheist to a believer in the space of a morning. Um, as part of that youth group, I was offered discipleship, meeting up with someone else. It was another friend who was a little bit younger than me um, and an older guy called Ralph, who who's in his 30s. He's been a Christian a lot longer, was one of the youth leaders there. And for over 12 months, Ralph and me and Dave, we met together most weeks to pray and chat before church and we did a little Bible study together. And it was such an important time and formative in my, in my walk with God. Um, to be asked the questions to someone who was a bit more mature than me, um, rather than just listening to talks, to ask those big questions of confusion, to pray, to work out how I can get involved in the church, um, to see life being worked out and for someone to care how you were doing. And we see these kind of close relationships in the Bible all along. So Paul and Timothy is is our example today. But Jonathan and David, Elijah and Elisha, Mary and Martha... And I think the desire and the need for honest discipleship is going to be bubbling up here in the NC as we evolve and we push into what God has for us. Uh, Jesus was really clear, go and make disciples of all nations, basically saying, if you're following me, you'll help others follow me too. Now, you may be doing this already at ENC, which is fantastic, and I'm not, there's not going to be a program to sign up to yet. Um, or, uh, uh, but my sense is that really naturally, supernaturally, God is going to be bubbling this up inside us. Um, he's going to keep us conscious of this. And maybe even excite us about this uh, with opportunities of time and a person to either disciple us or for us to disciple someone else. And I just felt this little nudge Um, for some of us who've been a Christian a while, um, to be aware of a lie that can creep in that says, I've got nothing to offer. What can I give to someone else? And if that's you, I would say this. um, Do not underestimate your journey with God, uh, the power of your testimony, the value of you working out your faith with fear and trembling, no matter how messy it seems, you do have so much to offer, and I would encourage you to step into it and see what God does through you and in you. Now, we've got another slide up, which is the next gen. I'm just going to, it's just a little cheeky plug. Well, it's not a cheeky plug. It's a, it's a kind of a really good thing. Um, so, next one, that one. Okay, so you feel free to get your phones out if you want. Um, so... Tabby Wallington and I run this monthly prayer group. Um, it's over Zoom. It's happening this Wednesday at half past seven. Um, any age are welcome. Um, it's just for three quarters of an hour. And we're praying for anyone in the younger generation. Any age is welcome to come and join us. And I feel this prayer, is, it feels like at the beginning, the cusp of something, praying for our young people. Um, they are the church of the 2030s and the 2040s. How are we supporting them? We have amazing kids groups, um, and we, we invest in uh, paying for youth leaders. 
Um, but how are we as a church investing in them? Um, I've got three children myself, and it's really hard uh, seeing them try and navigate the broken culture they're in. And I would say, actually, sometimes it feels like they're the equivalent of uh, the persecuted church in this country. They're not getting death threats. And they're not losing jobs. But if they stick their head up above the parapet for Jesus, they can be made fun of, uh, treated differently, sidelined, and when you're a teenager and that is happening to you, is so difficult. Some of you may uh, be able to kind of know that feeling. So, yeah, it's not an emotional kind of... uh, Well, it is emotional um, because it's important. But if you want to join us, do join us. If you can't join us at that point, it doesn't matter. But do pray for our young people. Um, So discipleship. Paul and Timothy, he's discipling the whole time, but... I feel that is for us as well. Be aware of who um, bubbles up and, uh, around you. Um, we have lots to give. Um, second overarching theme, and this is what I would like to spend most of my time on now. Um, the present, not now, death, and eternity. This is quite a, quite a, big, quite a big topic. Um, Paul. We know he's been in, he's imprisoned when he's writing this book to Timothy um, by the vicious and self-serving Emperor Nero, who was known as a Christian hater. He was a really troubled man and did really evil things. Many Christians were martyred in horrific ways at his hands. And Paul was imprisoned and chained up in Rome by Nero at the time, knowing he was going to die. It wasn't like a or I might, this might be, or, or God might get me out of this one. He got him out of loads of scrapes. So in chapter um, 4, verse 6, he says, And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So how does he know he's going to die? I ask myself. Either he could have been told by the Romans, the captors, right, you've got, a couple of months in the spring, you're going to be executed. Or it could, could be that God sort of prepared him for his death. Whatever, however it came, it doesn't really matter, but he knew his time was coming to an end. He knew his death was imminent. Now, in that time, life becomes so much more focused. It's sharper, and what really is important becomes crystal clear. And my sense is that It's also influencing how Paul is writing to Timothy, the urgency, the advice, the longing to see him. So, what I'd like to do now is gently lead us for a short time into thinking about the reality of our own death. We know it's going to happen. Anthropologists think we could be the only mammals who who have an awareness of our mortality. But our brains have this great mechanism of pushing this knowledge back into our subconscious because it would be really hard to live if we were thinking about it all the time. Now I'm aware you might also be thinking I'm being a little bit morbid. Or you might be feeling a little bit uncomfortable. I'd encourage you just to acknowledge that discomfort and hang in there with me just for a little bit. 
until relatively uh, recently, our culture would be far more familiar with death, as many people would have died at home. Uh, they wouldn't have died in hospital or hospice, and it would have been really normal to talk and think and experience what happens, to know how to support and be supported. Uh, there'd be a better understanding of grief and how to mourn. In our but to push, push away from that real pain we experience, we've lost something in society, and we can struggle to even talk about it now. However, considering our own mortality occasionally awakens us more to the now, what is going on. It helps us question what we're doing with our lives and also makes us think about the reality of what is coming next. And that is what I'm really excited to focus on in a minute. Now, the, my teacher head, if you've listened to me talk before, my teacher head is saying it's quite warm in here. You might be a bit tired. It's five o'clock. Um, so it would probably be good if you can stand up. We're going to have a little break. Give everything a little bit of a shake. Maybe have a stretch. Touch your toes <laughs> without headbutting the pew in front of you. Whatever you need to do, give everything a little bit of a shake. And then when you're ready, come and sit back down. Thank you. Um, so Paul knows he's going to die. And I think he's shifting into a different gear. And that gear has changed the way he's writing to Timothy. Um, and looking at it from that angle, it's made me think lots, thinking back on my 46 years on the planet. And then thinking... What would I write to someone, a younger person, a friend, my children even, if I knew I was going to die? What have I learned that's useful? What would I really encourage and plead them to do? That's food for thought, isn't it? I do just want to say, if you, are, if you are not a Christian today and the thought of your own death fills you with fear and uncertainty, maybe the pandemic highlighted that for you as it did for many people. Maybe even that uncertainty around what is next has brought you here today. I have the best news for you. That fear of death can go. And Jesus has provided the only way. He said, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment as passed from death to life. Jesus has taken care of it by dying for us. He promises eternal life in heaven if we put our trust and give all of our lives to him. There'll be an opportunity to take that step forwards uh, to him later in the service if you want to find out more. Now this amazing hope we have does not negate the fact that we experience such painful loss when someone we love dies, but we know in Jesus that is not the end of the story. He'll be with us in the pain and there is hope. As Christians though, I'm curious about how what I just said landed with you. The phrase that I read, he promises us eternal life in heaven if we put our trust in and give our lives to him, is the best news. 
And yet I know in my own life, I've heard that phrase thousands of times. And sometimes it can just sit with me, not cause a reaction, no feeling at all. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I believe. That's what I think. Now, I'm not about trying to stir up feelings of gratitude or wonder because those feelings are important, but feelings come and go in an instant sometimes. What I want to do, and I'm sure this is, this is true for many of us um, already, but hopefully to expand our understanding, our knowledge of how good our God is and what he's got in store for us because that will always stay with us. In all of, I've just noticed a pattern in kind of Paul's prayers across um, the book of Philippians and Ephesians and Colossians. They all ask God for more knowledge and understanding of him. Here's one from Ephesians 1.17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And knowledge of God doesn't just mean learning facts in our head, but truth and truth that resonates in our souls. It's the connection between our head and our heart. I'm going to read another quote from, this is um, A.W. Tozer, he's a kind of a prophet and a preacher from the 60s, and this is, I've been munching on this for a couple of weeks and still munching on it. Um, He said this, the most important thing about us is what we believe about God. So I'll read that again. The most important thing about us is what we believe about God. And what that means is our current experience, our understanding and knowledge of God feed into our beliefs. And these beliefs prompt action or inaction, which in turn feeds into our behavior and again through our thought life. And this is a part of the reason why why we act the way we do uh, with people around us. If we think actually deep down that God is really angry and critical with us, with our smallest mistakes, We'll be angry and critical with others, our children and families in particular. And we definitely won't be looking forward to going to heaven. If we think God is boring, irrelevant, doesn't really get our struggle, we will probably be disinterested in him, church, maybe of others too. And the hope of heaven feels like it's just a bit of a better alternative than hell. But if we understand something of his love for us, how kindly he sees us, how well he knows us, it changes everything. Are you with me? Yeah? So if we've got these ideas in mind, the biblical knowledge of God is so important and that what we believe about him will affect how we are in the world, it leads me to my next question. Uh, What do you think about when you think about eternity with God? Which images pop into your head? There might be one up on here. Something like that, even in black and white. Or maybe the next one. Stairway to heaven. The pearly gates up in the sky somewhere with loads of clouds. And maybe the next one. And this one's taken from some an artistic impression of uh, something it says in Revelation about what, what the new heaven and the new earth, the rainbow and the golden city and things. Uh, but what feelings does it bring up? Thinking about eternity. Are there any reactions in your body? Do you want to step towards that idea, or do you want to retreat from that idea? Does the prospect excite you? 
Maybe you've not given it much thought. Do you think, actually, they might be a bit boring? Clouds, singing, huge bearded man on a throne, sitting around not doing very much, an eternal church service, listening to worship songs and endless sermons. You would not be alone in thinking about these things. Most of these images have been uh, in our culture for decades, and because eternity is such a mind-boggling idea, we default to what is easy and in front of us. So it's just that those images are just in our heads. But if we spend a little time thinking, praying, talking about, reading in the Bible, seeking more knowledge of God, that image and that idea soon get blown out of the sky, literally. So we're going to explore this a little bit more together. Now, I love this verse, uh, 2 Timothy 1.10. Christ Jesus has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I'm going to read it again. Christ Jesus has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So destroyed means to end the existence of something. And he's done it already. Jesus, by dying, has ended the existence of death. It's past tense. And this might be confusing to us because you might argue, yeah, but we still die. And in fact, just today, 335,000 people have died in one day on this earth. 380,000 are born. However, moving from that understanding, and I'd really love you to kind of get hold of this pivot from understanding our life and death in this place to an eternal understanding of life and death is life-changing. We can live in an illusion that this life is all there is, even as Christians, and it's not. What it is is a vital beginning a humbling, God-given opportunity, an invitation to choose life with God and the people around us, that then moves into, when we die, something far, far more wonderful. Now, these are massive ideas, and if you sit with them for any length of time, they'll start to shift your perspective on our now as well as our death. Living with eternity in mind can help us and sustain us in our daily life, even more as we face hard things of life. Now, personally, I feel like I'm, I've just been fascinated with the idea of heaven for like nine or ten years. I've just been trying to read about it. Oh, if you want to read more, I'd recommend this book, Heaven by Randy Alcorn. It's fantastic. Um, and obviously the Bible as well. Um, but that's, that's a cracker. Uh, there are lots of other good books. Um, and I feel like I'm slowly getting there, a bit like a climber trying to scale a mountain of such importance and magnitude, but it's like one small handhold at a time. Um, Paul understood it. John, in the book of Revelation, understood it. Many martyrs over the ages have understood it so clearly they've given up their lives for Jesus. So if we can think about understand and grasp more of this too, it will change the way we see our time on this earth now. Now, we were going to look into what, is, what does forever look like and feel like, <laughs> but I'm going to run out of time. So we're going to skip on um, to, uh, yeah, if we could go to that Revelation passage, please, Ben, if that's all right. Oh, no, that, that's, that's better. Let's keep that up. I'm just going to read a bit from Revelation. 
So I'm going to talk about, uh, we're going to come into land here, what the Bible says heaven is going to be like. So Revelation 2.21, it says, then, this is John, in a kind of trance, in the throne room with God, talking about the future, future, future. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Doesn't mean there won't be any sea in heaven. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he's going to live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So from that passage and others, um, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Everything's going to be new. At the moment, the universe is slowly dying. If, you, if there's a, there are scientists in the audience at the moment, um, and if you understand the idea of entropy, basically, that's a, one theory, 22 billion years is a long time, but eventually the universe is just going to run out of useful energy. The stars will collapse, black holes will collapse, planets will collapse. Nothing useful if you follow that scientific path. The universe was set up and designed to have an end. There is going to be an end. Everything is going to be made new. So on the new earth, all understanding of physics, biology, chemistry are going to have to be rewritten as it's been recreated. So our eternal home is a real place. We're going to live there with real, physical, imperishable bodies. We're not going to be ghosts floating around in the sky or on clouds. And when we're there, we will experience everlasting joy, reward and treasure. And God is going to live with us. And we're going to see him face to face. So picture your favorite place on earth. I've got a few places down in Cornwall, which is just like my absolute go-to. Imagine that place completely free from anything that makes you feel sad, uncomfortable, anxious, unsafe. Completely free from those things. Perfect righteousness and justice reign supreme. No pollution. Every shred of evil has been completely eliminated. And instead, God will walk with you in it. A gift to us from him. How are you doing? This is good news, isn't it? There's going to be perfect health. No more sickness, no more broken bones, no more cancer. No more COVID. No more death. We will have perfect friendships and relationships. No more hurt. No more pride getting in the way. Insecurity is going to be gone. No Instagram or Facebook. No jealousy. Discrimination. No competition. Um, no, uh, well, it will be honesty, love, and kindness will be everywhere and with everyone. You will understand others and they will understand you. I don't know what you think about this one. 
meaningful work. There'll be work in heaven. Now, for some of us, you might be, oh, what? Work? You really? I was going to be able to just kind of kick back. It's like, no. And I was trying to work out how to explain this. If If you can think of a job that you have done, it could be a tiny little job, big or small, where you've maybe... Uh, built something, you've made something, you've created something, you've designed something, you've played something, drawn, or, I don't know, me and my, my, my middle daughter Evie talk about job satisfaction of sweeping a floor sometimes when it's really dusty and you sweep it and it's all clean. Ah, it's that little sense of ah, satisfaction. Well, it's like that, but like amplified a billion times with the work that God will have us do. It's going to have real purpose. And this final one, this one excites me the most, actually. I'm, I'm, I was a teacher for a long time, and um, I love learning, and I love seeing other people learn. And when we get to heaven, God is all-knowing. So we won't know everything when we get to heaven, but we are created in his image. And as a result, we're designed to be creative and learning people. I love this idea. It's not static. It's going to evolve. It excites me because impurity will get to be messily free, uh, freely creative without judgment, without poor motives, on a universal scale. So I'm going to finish with this quote. We're going to come into land. Um, from Dallas Willard. I've read this about five years ago, and it's dramatically changed the way that I see heaven. Um, Awesome. Um, And as I learn to trust more of how good God is, despite the questions I've still got about him and what's going on and the pain I see in the world, I do trust that he knows what is best for me. And I use that to imagine heaven. And I go back to that Tozer quote, because what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. So I'm just going to read this to us. Um, Your eternal destiny is not cosmic retirement. It's to be part of a tremendously creative project under unimaginably splendid leadership on an inconceivably vast scale with ever-increasing cycles of fruitfulness and enjoyment. You can munch on that for months. So... particularly this last bit here really strikes me ever increasing cycles of fruitfulness and enjoyment so this we think we get to heaven and then it's just set it's not it's gonna keep evolving and it's gonna start off amazing and get better and these are the promises that God gives us now I'm gonna stop there because I've run out of time Um, but can I encourage you to talk about it so we don't talk about it very much Talk about it. Read about heaven. Read about eternity. Maybe write a letter to someone imagining that you're going to die. And what, what shift that will change in you and what suddenly will become important about what you've learned so far in our lives. So we're going to um, have an opportunity to pray um, and 
yeah, if you are in, uh, if you're in the prayer team, I'd love for you to come up now, if that's okay. So come and grab a. Um, oh yeah, over there. Thank you. Prayer team as well. If you want to get prayed for too, just say. There are a couple of things I feel would be good um, if you want to get prayer for. There'll be an opportunity, and um, also for anything else that you want. Also, if you're not able to get up out of your pew, if it's tricky, um, please indicate and we'll, we can send someone over to you as well. So like I mentioned earlier, if you are here and you would like to take a step towards Jesus, you are not a Christian, there will be a chance for you to come forward. And um, you can think, I woke up today thinking about death and judgment, that they were ahead of me. But I will go to bed tonight knowing that death and judgment are behind me. Here is your opportunity, even just to find out more. We'd love to talk to you. As a Christian as well, if you, if you are fearful of death, uh, we'd love to pray. We don't have to be afraid of dying. And if you need the power on the Holy Spirit, it's Pentecost today. If you need the power of the Holy Spirit for energy and direction for anything in particular, we'd love to pray for you. And anything else. So um, I'd love you to join me in just standing up, if you can. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come.